Hello, hello. Good evening, New York. That was the new afternoon show with Matthew. And now, thank you for tuning in to the rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM here in New York City and online everywhere at WNYU.org. I'm your host, Aria Young, and today is October 26th, Wednesday. And five days until Halloween. So today we have a very special episode for you about Halloween um, and also something else. Well, you'll, you'll see. Um, so we will hear, first hear from our reporter Adelaide Miller about the pagan origin of Halloween and NYU students who practice magic and witchcraft. Fun. And then we'll diverge a little bit and talk about the Starbucks roastery workers who's been going on strike since yesterday. And after that... I'll share some fun Halloween fun facts. I said fun twice, but Halloween fun facts with you to close out this festive episode. So without further ado, our first story is about pagan religions. So Halloween, as we know it, isn't just, you know, an occasion to trick or treat or attend costume parties. Um, It isn't just a secular holiday. It also has a rich history rooted in ancient pagan traditions. So to learn more about the history of, of Halloween and the contemporary witches who keep its traditions alive today, reporters Adelaide Miller spoke with two NYU students about their spirituality and their Halloween spiritual practices. Here's the story. is a uniquely American holiday, and yet it has roots and traditions that date back farther than the country itself. Although donning a witch's hat and going door-to-door to ask for candy may seem more like a tradition linked to the need to sell chocolate than a mystical celebration of the changing seasons, if you dig deeper, you may be surprised at what you discover. Beginning thousands of years ago, the Celtic people of today's Central Europe celebrated Samhain on October 31st, the last day of the Celtic year. This festival represented an end of the harvest season and a welcoming of the darker and colder winter. To honor this transition, they feasted, performed rituals in order of their sun god, and honored the souls of those who had died in the previous year through animal and human sacrifice. The dead were thought to be especially active on that day. The meaning of October 31st has evolved as the Roman Catholic Church's influence grew and spread holidays such as All Saints Day and the preceding All Hallows Eve. These holidays, much like the Celtic celebration of Samhain, similarly involved rituals and feasting in honor of the dead. Although Halloween is more widely celebrated as a secular holiday today, pagan traditions are certainly not a thing of the past. Some people still learn pagan spells and lore and practice rituals to seek support, spiritual growth, and create change in their lives. These contemporary witches develop their own relationships with ancient practices as they navigate modern-day life. I spoke with two NYU students who practice magic and witchcraft about their journeys with pagan religion and how they honor the Halloween season. Hi, I'm Uzoma Adichie. I go by Zuzu or Planet Zoos. I am a junior at NYU and my major is environmental studies. I started with Wicca and like neo-paganism when I was in high school and I definitely called myself a Wiccan back then and I feel like now I'm kind of just spiritual quote-unquote. I know people get annoyed when people say that they're like not religious they're spiritual but I feel like it is accurate because I'm not exactly like inclined towards like the specific 
rules and like traditions of Wicca anymore, but I'm heavily inspired by them. Um, I think something specific to Wicca, though, is like the connection to nature and the earth. Wicca is like really heavy on respecting the earth and kind of has traditions that are very in tune with like the seasons, like the Sabbaths that we celebrate, they're all kind of it's like fall equinox, spring equinox, winter. Um, so it's all kind of linked to like changes of life and changes of the earth. The one thing about Wicca is that you aren't supposed to do harm to another, which I'm not sure if that's the case for other, you know, religions or practices that involve witchcraft. I know that there's a lot of like Celtic roots to paganism and things like that. But with Wicca specifically, it was created in like the 50s. And it's practices that are from, like, European, like, paganism traditions and then things that aren't very—things that are kind of more closed, I would say. Wicca is a modern occult religion based in Celtic pagan practices. People who practice Wiccan tradition often identify as witches. Because of its more recent origins, Wiccans may incorporate practices from other cultures beyond Celtic paganism as well. However, it's important to note that some magical or religious practices may be closed and should not be appropriated by people outside of the culture it comes from. For example, indigenous North American practices such as smudging with white sage or voodoo religions practiced by people of the African diaspora should only be practiced by those born into or invited into those cultures. Witchcraft and magic can take many different forms depending on the practitioner, and they exist across the world. For some practitioners, civic deities are important to their practice. My name is Marcellus Tasca. Um, my pronouns are he, they. I am a third year at Tish Drama. When I first like got into like the occult, quote unquote, I started out with Wicca. I was also like 10 or 12 and I was in Catholic school. So I was like, wow, this is like a new thing because I was raised Catholic and I went to Catholic school and I never really believed in God or never really felt like connected, had access to the Internet. I just like was looking up like different religions and stuff like that. And I saw like Buddhism and I was like, that's cool, but I don't know. And then I see other stuff and I like got into like Wicca. And now currently I work with the Greek pantheon. I do a lot of work with Dionysus, which is funny because I'm a theater major. So it essentially has to do with what I want to do with my life. And I also work with um, Hades, which is also funny because I wanted to be a mortician growing up. I do leave out pomegranate seeds every now and then, or whenever they dry out, I'll leave out fresh pomegranate seeds. With Dionysus, though, with them, it's more like I worship them in my daily life. Like, I just had studio today, and that I consider kind of like a devotional act. Whenever I would, like, do shows, I have this, like, bottle of Merlot oil, and I would, like, anoint myself. I would do my wrists, and then I would do my fingers like the middle of my forehead in like a specific way in honor of them. I think for a while, because of my like Catholic roots, my little brain was like, it has to be like a, a serious like ceremony. Like it has to be serious. It has to, there has to be like a structure. And I believe in, yes, certain practices and certain rituals should have a structure, but with the just with the way I operate and the way my brain operates, I sometimes just don't have time for all of that. Like the little devotional acts I do during the day or in like my theater class or my voice class or my movement class, or like sometimes I'll draw like sigils on the floor with my feet that no one else sees but me. And that's okay. It's not for them, it's for me. 
Pagan religions often worship with patterns of cosmic cycles, such as the annual solstices that mark the change of seasons. For some followers, performing rituals to honor these changes is spiritual and grounding. The first Sabbath that I celebrated, it was in like 2017, like I was a little baby in high school, and it was um, Lytha, which is the summer solstice. And I feel like all of the Sabbaths kind of have this focus on like life and death and rebirth and renewal. So I would say that Lytha, since this is summer solstice, was like rebirth, renewal, abundance. And a lot of the solstices, or a lot of the Sabbaths, like have these very traditional properties that they adhere to. So the first time I celebrated live, I did like a, I forget what I did. It was like a ritual where I was like holding my crystals up to the sun. And I was like, I can feel the energy surging through me. <laughs> so I was really hype about it because I was like 16. There was also like Mabon, which is the fall equinox. But that one is just kind of, that one I really appreciate too, because it has this highlight on like the balance between light and dark. Because I used to suffer from like, I still do suffer from like seasonal depression and things like that. So I think that this really helped me kind of appreciate the fact that darkness doesn't always have to be a bad thing. I I really appreciated Wicca because it was like we can celebrate light and darkness and life and death in the same ways. With Halloween and its ancestor Samhain around the corner, I asked Zuzu and Mars how they celebrate the occasion. I do remember like on like Samhain, I would always like watch like a movie or like the Charlie Brown Halloween movie and like eat food with friends and like light a little candle. Yeah, just trying to spend time with loved ones. It's definitely a really good time for like hibernation and like recharging, doing things that like make you want to live deliciously essentially. A lot of what like Sawin is focused on is the thinning of the veil between the living and dead. Some people would like do seances or like play with Ouija boards, but I wasn't really into that. No shade, like no shade towards it. I think that like connecting with the dead in a respectful and responsible way is really cool. But yeah, I used to just eat a lot on that day because there's also like the tradition of the feast on Samhain. And then I would, oh my God, this is embarrassing, but I was like obsessed with River Phoenix and he died on Halloween. So I would like, I would make like a little shrine for River Phoenix on Samhain. And it was so embarrassing, like light a candle. So like that was as much as, as that was as close as I got to like contacting the dead, quote unquote. But I was not trying to call him before his family comes for me. And then I would, you know, do Halloween things, dress up, you know, have fun. If you'd like to incorporate magic and witchcraft into your life, here's what Mars and Zuzu had to say about getting started. Read as much as you can or like watch informational videos, know who your source is. Because I I think my one thing when it comes to being a witch is know thyself. You don't have to know everything immediately and like find something, find your niche and then like expand from there. I feel like your belief system should be in line with what you're doing and it shouldn't just be for show. So that's one thing I would say. And I would also say, again, do a lot of research. Don't just like jump into it, especially because like if you're going to be doing witchcraft and you believe in like karma and things like that, you don't want to just be doing anything. So, yeah, be safe. Be true to yourself when you start your practice. Find what works for you. Be respectful to other cultures and religions. Yeah, get into it. As the weather gets colder and darkness falls earlier each day, it's easy to feel down and isolated. This year, consider welcoming the winter with open arms and celebrate the changes that it will bring by hosting your own feast, lighting a candle, or taking some time to consider how you can shift your routine to accommodate the natural cyclical changes of our planet and our bodies. For The Rundown on 89.1 FM WNYU, this has been Adelaide Miller.
That was an amazing story from Adelaide Miller about Halloween's pagan traditions. Next, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and I want to talk to you about a story that broke out just yesterday. So the workers at Starbucks Reserve Roastery in Chelsea are on their second day of striking. The store is located at 61 9th Avenue, and it's the only flagship location in New York City and the first ever Starbucks flagship store to unionize. So according to the union's press release, workers went on strike because of management's failure to respond to urgent health and safety issues. They reported having a moldy ice machine that is currently in use and bedbugs found in the workers' break room. Workers and supporters of the union picketed at the location all day yesterday, and they started again today at 9 a.m. The union said that they will continue picketing tomorrow and focus on getting the issues resolved. This isn't an isolated incident of Starbucks workers reporting uh, poor working conditions, of course. If you have been a longtime listener of ours, you would know that the unionizing movement is something that we've been following for a long time. And uh, basically right now, the entire country has been witnessing a surge in union petitions, especially post-pandemic. And Starbucks is at the forefront of the labor rights movement. Well, I should say Starbucks workers, not not Starbucks, the company. So as of right now, seven Starbucks stores have unionized in New York City alone. And today, Workers United, which is the union representative of workers, they also filed a national unfair labor practice charge with the National Labor Relations Board. Basically, they are accusing Starbucks of failure to bargain with its workers, listing the flagship roastery and also 151 other locations where bargaining has failed to even start. Right now, there are 250 Starbucks union locations across the country, and none has signed a contract. So this is an ongoing story, of course. And um, I actually, I was I was there at the strike yesterday and today, and there was, all, there was a lot of enthusiasm there, and there was a lot of chanting and singing um, and handing out flyers. So I was really happy to be... Um, to be there. I was working on the project and, of course, also reporting for the rundown. So you will probably hear a more um, fleshed out, a more uh, complete story by next week from us. Um, But also, yeah, so it's an ongoing story. And we here at the rundown will keep updating you on how the story unfolds. So that was that was our news. That was our news for the day or for the night. And uh, before we end the episode, I have some Halloween fun facts for you. <laughs> so, uh, first, did you know that in Germany, it's tradition for people to hide their knives on Halloween night? The goal is to prevent returning spirits from getting injured. Honestly, I thought it was to prevent uh, Michael Myers from showing up because <laughs> the knives. But um, I guess protecting protecting spirits also also works. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, next fun fact is that, did you know, this one is a little weird, but, but also it, it's fun. So did you know that people originally carved turnips instead of pumpkins? Jack-o'-lanterns are believed to have originated in Ireland in the 19th century, but they actually carved turnips instead of pumpkins at the time. This is, I, I don't know how to react to this. I... 
honestly, I'm just like picturing people carving turnips. Did did they? What what kind of turnips did they did they carve? Because I feel like that would make a difference. Like what color the turnip is would really make a difference. You know. Although also like, did they also carve faces? And also when? Like how? Why? <laughs> Why did they switch from turnip to pumpkins? Like who? Whoever came up with the idea, whoever was like, you know what? Maybe pumpkins are better. That's that he that person was was a genius because they are. I I just can't imagine like carving little faces onto turnips. Yeah, I wonder how that like affected agriculture too. Because I imagine like bef- before like I don't I don't know when the like the switch happened, but I imagine like before the switch. Farmers would probably like sell a lot of turnips around this time, and then all of a sudden, it's pumpkin. Maybe pumpkin farmers decided to like promote this tradition. They're like, "Hey, how about we carve pumpkins instead?" That's that's great. Anyway,、uh, speaking of pumpkins, did you know that pumpkins are classified as a fruit, not a vegetable? This is annoying. This is annoying. It's like you know, like t- oh, tomatoes. Tomatoes are a fruit, not a vegetable. Like, yes, we get it. You know, like anything that I actually didn't know, I didn't know this before. But basically, anything that originates from the likes of a flower is technically a fruit, which is why pumpkin is a fruit and tomato is a fruit. Um. Oh, does that make cucumber also a fruit? Okay, sure. It doesn't. It. You know what? I feel like I don't care what the scientific. A、uh, category is. I think culturally we all accept that pumpkin is a vegetable and tomato is a vegetable, and that's that's just how it is. <laughs> all right. The next fun fact is that did you know that trick or treating has existed since medieval times? I mean, I never thought about it. I never thought about the history of trick or treating, but I think it does make sense that. There's a long history to trick or treating, so trick or treating was inspired by the medieval English tradition of souling. That's like S O U L souling,、uh, which involved children going door to door on All Souls Day, offering prayers for residents' deceased loved ones in exchange for food. That sounds great. It sounds like a completely different tone than.、Uh, Trick or treating. One is like, give me your candy, or I will,、uh, I will mess up your house. And the other one's like, oh, I'm so sorry, your loved one passed away.、Um, again, how children have changed. <laughs> But yeah,、um, so yeah, so they were, they've been tr- tr- children have been trick or treating since the medieval times. But they weren't given out、um, candies until the 1950s. So instead, children would receive pieces of cake, fruit, nuts, coins, and little toys.、Um, that's actually that's that's great. Like so, so basically, they would receive actual food,、um, and also like coins and little toys. That's that's awesome. I would rather if I was a kid, I would rather have a a, a toy or like some change, some pocket money than like a piece of candy. You know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe kids would rather have candy because it's like instant gratification. But I don't know.、Um, but yeah, but it wasn't until the 
1950s when candy makers began to promote their goods for Halloween, that candies became a staple on the trick or treating circuit. So it's I I I could have guessed that. Of course, of course, it's businesses. It's it's、uh, capitalism. It's it's consumption that shaped our tradition and shaped our culture.、Um, makes makes sense. So.、Uh, These days, one quarter of all the candy sold in the U.S. each year is purchased for Halloween. Oh wow! So like a quarter of oh, I'm just repeating this because I'm like it makes sense, but also like that's a lot. A quarter of all the candy sold in the U.S. each year is purchased for Halloween. So okay, that does make sense. I guess it's like parents would buy candy like once a year. And then the candy would last a whole year. At least if I were a parent, that's what I would do. Like I just, I would just buy candy for Halloween, and then that's all your、uh, share of of candies for the rest of the year. Um, and the next one is about jack o' lantern. We were just talking about、uh, pumpkins. So did you know that jack o' lanterns were inspired by an Irish legend? According to the History Channel, the name Jack o' Lantern is rooted in an Irish folk tale about a man named Stingy Jack, who fooled the devil, and in return, he was forced to walk the earth with only a burning coal in a hollow in a in a hollow turnip to light his way. There you go. That makes a lot of sense.、Um, that's why people carve turnips. So the Irish began to call him Jack of the Lantern, and then just Jack o' Lantern. That's a that's a fun fact. That's that's definitely something、um, that you should know. I'm glad that I know these fun facts now. <laughs> so on that note, that's all for the rundown tonight. And if you liked what you heard, or want to hear something different, or if you want to submit a tip for a story, you can email me at associatenews at wnyu dot org. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I will be here next Wednesday, 7 p.m. to bring you more local alternative news. Happy Halloween! I hope you all have a fun and safe Halloween weekend. I'm Aria Young, and this has been the Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM.